The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Well, good morning, church. Good to be with you this morning. Let's pray together. Father, what a privilege it is to open your word and to hear from you. And I pray that you will lead us in this time, that your spirit will be evident, that you will cause us to tremble at your holy word and to feel the weight of such a moment where we get to look at the scripture and to see your glory and to be changed by it. So spirit, come now and Illumine our eyes. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And make us joyful people in our Savior. In His name we pray. Amen. Well, please turn in your copy of God's holy and perfect word to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16. First of all, let me say thank you for allowing me to be your interim pastor during this time. I count it as a supreme privilege to be able to serve you in this time of transition. And so thank you for welcoming me and my family. And we just are so excited to get to know you all better for however long the Lord um, would allow us to. There's much I'd like to say in my first sermon as interim pastor, but let me just say this briefly. I know that losing a pastor can be hard. So I've I've been a member of a church that's lost a pastor. I've served on staff at a church that lost a pastor. I've I've, I've seen many pastoral transitions. I've I've served on a, a church staff when a new pastor comes. I've served on a church staff when an interim pastor comes. And... I've been a new pastor before going into a situation, and I know the effect that uh, it can have on a church when, when you lose a pastor, especially one so beloved. It's natural to feel fear. There's some natural like comparisons that begin to happen, and you, you wonder what the future holds, what the new guy will be like. And let me just encourage you with this this morning. And for however long the transition is, let me encourage you a simple truth to keep your eyes on Jesus. Like the focus is not on the former pastor, the focus is not on the interim pastor, the focus is not on the the pastor to come. The focus of the church is Jesus Christ. And so while we can love and respect and appreciate, under shepherds that God allows to come to our church and, and pastor, we can love and respect them. May our trust finally and ultimately never be in one man. May our hope be in the lead shepherd, Jesus Christ. I have a lot of thoughts about the interim, but the best content I can give you this morning, any morning, is from God's Word. And so I hope you'll be encouraged by it. Next week, we'll begin a brand new series studying verse by verse through the book of Philippians. Today, we're looking in Acts chapter 16. So you may be wondering, why Acts chapter 16? 
Well, Acts 16 records for us how the church in Philippi got started. So Paul wrote a small letter to a small church in the city of Philippi. It's the letter in our Bible called Philippians. And we'll begin studying that next week. But Acts 16 tells us what happened in Philippi to to spark the very existence of that church to begin with. It It would be like us going back in time all the way to 1831, the year before this church was founded. And walking around and and watching the events take place that happened to start this church in 1832. And so likewise, going to Acts chapter 16, we're going to see the events that led up to the forming of this small church in Philippi that Paul eventually wrote a letter to that we'll be looking at next week. The main idea from Acts chapter 16 And I'll just put it right out front for you this morning so you'll know where we're going. The main idea from Acts chapter 16 is God will establish his church. God will establish his church. That's the main point of Acts 16. That's the main point of the sermon this morning, that God will establish his church. And in our case, God will keep establishing our church. And in this text, we're going to see four ways God establishes his church. Four ways he established the church in Philippi. And four ways that he will establish, keep establishing, sustaining Abner Creek Baptist Church. So here are the four ways. And then we'll walk through them in the text together. First, God ordains the place for ministry. Second, God ordains the purpose for ministry. Third, God ordains the persecution in a ministry. And fourth, God ordains his people for ministry. So God ordains the place for ministry. God ordains the purpose for ministry. God ordains the persecution in ministry. And God ordains his people for ministry. So here we go. Notice first in the text We'll start reading in just a moment. God ordains the place for ministry. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 6. We hear this in God's word. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse 11, So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. We'll pause there. God ordains his place for ministry. The ones traveling around here that we see in Acts chapter 16, the ones traveling here refers to Paul and Silas. They're on this missionary journey. They're going about these regions. They're planting churches. They're preaching the gospel. They're establishing these churches. In the first five verses of chapter 16, which we didn't read, we're introduced to a character named Timothy. 
Now, Timothy may be traveling with Paul and Silas here on the missionary journey. The, the text isn't completely clear for us, but we definitely know that Paul and Silas are on this journey because we're going to see them mentioned later in the, in the chapter together. And so they've set out on this journey. They're going to preach the gospel. They're going to plant more churches. And notice the sovereign hand of God specifically directing and ordaining where they can go and where he prevents them from going. Look at verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Verse 7. They attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And then in verse 8, we see them go to Troas, and a man in a vision appears to Paul, and he urges them to leave Troas and to go to Macedonia instead. And then in verse 11 and 12, we see them go from Troas to Samothrace to, De- to Neapolis to Philippi. So we we see these missionaries being very active in their pursuit to share the gospel. But more so, we see the sovereign hand of God directing their steps. What we see is God ordaining the place of ministry. God will establish his church where he will. And one way he does this is by ordaining the specific place where it will take place. Now all these villages and towns that... Paul and Silas passed along the way, they certainly needed the gospel. It's not like God didn't care about these cities and towns that they passed. They, they, in fact, they passed over 400 miles of territory on their way to Philippi. It's not that the Lord doesn't care that these people didn't receive the gospel. It's not that at all. In fact, many of the cities that they passed on their way to Philippi, many of these cities had churches planted in them eventually. In fact, the the seven letters in the book of Revelation going to seven churches that we studied about a few weeks ago as a church, a lot of those seven churches were planted in the region that Paul and Silas passed by on their way to Philippi. And so it's not that God didn't care about this region, but for this time and this place, God had plans for Philippi specifically. And notice the men didn't get to decide where they shared the gospel and where they didn't. They tried to share the gospel in Asia. They tried to spread the truth in Bithynia. They tried to stay in Troas. And God said, no, not right now. And this is, this is a good lesson for us today. That just because God has an overarching ordained plan for history doesn't mean we as humans don't have the responsibility to work hard and to strategize and to push the gospel message forward. This gives us great insight on determining God's will for our lives. We, we can't always see the big picture like God does. We don't always know the details or the outcomes, but what we do know is this. We have a responsibility from God to be faithful in the exact place that he has placed us right now for however long that he has us. We don't know what the future would hold, but we have a responsibility to be faithful to honor God. And so we work hard and and we strive to do good things and we strive to push the gospel forward and we honor God by everything that we do. We share his word and we we knock on doors and we try to turn door handles and some of them are locked and some of them open. But no matter the case, we push forward and we trust God that he will open some and he will close some. 
We don't know specifically how God kept them from spreading the word in certain regions. The text doesn't say specifically. But what we do see them is doing is being proactive and moving forward. Trusting God to open the right opportunity and trusting God when he closes it. And this is the path of the Christian. We move forward, obeying God, honoring God, trusting God to, with the result. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his ways, but it is the Lord who establishes his steps. This is the way the Lord works. We plan, we strategize, and the Lord establishes our steps. Have you ever considered that God ordained Abner Creek Baptist Church to be positioned right where it is? Or maybe you have considered that God has blessed our church over the years. Maybe you, you know that God has provided for this church over the years. But have you ever pondered the fact that God has ordained from eternity for Abner Creek Baptist Church to be placed and positioned right here? A church established in 1832, placed in this community and sustained for over 185 years. A church with rich gospel ministry. Brothers and sisters, consider the fact with me that, that God has ordained for this church to be in this place, not just for a rich history, but for a flourishing future. A church that was one time a, a rural church is growing rapidly around us, is being urbanized all around us. And what an encouragement to know that God has ordained that Abner Creek be in this specific place at this specific time for this specific purpose. And so we work and we strategize and we remain faithful, trusting that God has us positioned right here for a reason. God will establish his church. And one way he does this is by ordaining the exact place for ministry. Notice second from this text. God ordains the purpose for ministry. Look in verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside. There, this is Paul and Silas. They're now in Philippi. They went to the riverside where we supposed there was a place for prayer. And we sat down and spoke to a, the women who had come together. One who had heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying... If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. <clears throat> Normally when missionaries would go into a city, they would go to the synagogue. But Philippi didn't have a synagogue. In order for a synagogue to be formed in a city, you had to have ten Jewish men, head of households, to form and to to meet one and to meet and to start one and and either for a lack of desire or lack of people we're not sure Philippi didn't have a synagogue yet and so the next place best next best place to go was beside the river to meet and pray and so Paul and his friends go to the beside the river and they find a group of women praying and just as a side note what a wonderful scene to find in a in a, in a community to find a group of women praying 
And so that's where Paul and, they, and Silas and his friends walk up to. And these women were likely what were called God-fearers, meaning they knew the Old Testament. They, to the best of their ability, you know, worshipped the God of the Old Testament, but they, they didn't know the Messiah. They didn't have true salvation yet necessarily because we see Lydia is going to be converted in a minute. But Paul began to teach the women and to share the gospel. And it would have been a great privilege for these women to have their prayer study interrupted by this traveling rabbi. And verse 14 and 15 tells us specifically that one woman named Lydia was there listening. She's from Thyatira, which was a city that we studied in one of the letters to Revelation. We're told that she's wealthy and she worshipped God. But most notably, we see from these verses that Lydia was saved as a result of Paul coming and sharing the gospel in Philippi. says in verse 14, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And this is a common theme throughout scripture, one that shouldn't be passed over lightly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Notice there are many women there and they're hearing Paul's message, but the the Lord sovereignly worked in, in Lydia's heart in such a way that she not only heard the message like everyone else did in that time, but she heard it in such a way that she was led to pay attention and then it transformed her there is a hearing of the gospel that doesn't lead to salvation jesus spoke to religious leaders in mark 8 18 and he he said this having eyes you do not see having ears you do not hear there is a hearing that you can do that you hear the gospel over and over and over and yet you never are led to salvation. You never believe. You never, you never trust yourself. There's a seeing that can happen that does not lead to belief. And this is a caution for any of us who spend any amount of time in church that just because we hear the message and just because we may see the hand of God doesn't mean that we are the people of God. It's not until our hearts are changed and we step out in faith and we trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And for Lydia on this day, the Lord opened her heart. The, the theological term for this is regeneration. Her heart was regenerated. She was given a new heart and she heard the message. She believed and then she was baptized. There was purpose in her encounter with Paul in Philippi. I mean, think about it. Why did Paul pass so many towns on his way to Philippi? Why was he prevented from stopping at other cities? Why was Philippi emphasized in this time? It's because God ordains his purpose for ministry. His plan in that time was for Paul to go to Philippi, preach the gospel, for Lydia to hear it and to be converted. God's purpose for ministry is to to bring his sheep in. God will gather his flock Later when we see Paul in Corinth, the Lord says to Paul in Acts 18, 9, it says, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. No one will attack you or harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. So keep going, Paul. Keep speaking. No one's going to harm you ultimately because there's people in this city who I mean to bring in. We don't always know the purposes of God. Why does God do things the way he does? Why does he allow things to take place? But what we do know is what comes about. The Lord has ordained all of his purposes. 
Psalm 115.3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. So if there is something that would please the Lord to do right now, he will do it. And if there is something that need for him to allow to happen right now for a greater good and it pleases him, he will do that. And just as God has ordained purpose for Philippi, God has an ordained purpose for Abner Creek and any other local church. There's still work to do. There's still purpose provided. You know, there, there's a motto around here. Perhaps you've heard it. We are real people with real worship, real change, real purpose. Our website states this. Our mission is to bring glory to God by taking the gospel from our neighborhood to the nations. That's the Great Commission summed up. God has ordained his purpose for this ministry in this community. The question is, will we be faithful to go and do and to say and speak? The Lord had Paul and Silas travel over 400 miles, passing towns and cities along the way. Why? For I have many in this city. They're my people. Because in that time, in that place, the Lord had people in Philippi. And it started with Lydia and her family. So Paul, you're going to Philippi because I have purpose for you to get Lydia. Abner Creek, I have you in this community, in this place, because I have purpose for you to get fill in the blank. God has his sheep spread all abroad and he intends to bring them in and he will use the church as a purpose to do that. God has ordained the place of ministry. He has ordained the purpose of ministry. Notice third from this text. God ordains the persecution in ministry. Look at verse 16 and following. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in, attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. So what happened? I thought God ordained the place of Philippi. He ordained the purpose of Philippi. But now we see God's missionaries locked up in prison. Is this somehow a setback to God's plan? Did he not see this to happen and now things are just all messed up? 
Can God's plan still be accomplished? And I would propose to you this morning that not only can God's plan still be accomplished, but God's plan is being accomplished by them going to prison. Paul and Silas were approached by the slave girl. She's filled with the evil spirit. And because she's filled with the evil spirit, she's involved in this, this twisted fortune telling that brings her owners a lot of money. They'll have her interact with other people and they'll pay to have this interaction with her. There's no care for her. They, they just care about what she can profit for them. And so we see this girl constantly heckling Paul and Silas and others. She's being so disturbing, being, becoming such a distraction to the point that we're told that, that Paul actually becomes annoyed. So Paul casts the evil spirit out and he takes the girl's ability away to, to do this ability of fortune telling. And of course that infuriates these owners because now this, this girl's worthless to them. Remember in, in earlier in the chapter, in verse 12, we're told that Philippi is a Roman colony. Now, now that's important because of what happens next. These owners are so upset that they, they violently take Paul and Silas before the Roman authorities of the town. We're told in verse 19 that they seize them and they, they, they drag them there. And the magistrates, which, which act for the town as judge and, and jury for civil issues in the city, they reserved no pity for... Paul and Silas here. They're going to act in a way unjustly. In, they, they listen briefly to the accusations and they don't, they don't have any deliberation. They don't have any discernment. They just have a, you know, an unjust investigation where they decide they're going to be beaten and thrown into prison. This is a small you know, situation that's got big-handed authority without any check to it. So they receive the beatings, they throw in prison. In fact, the most deepest, most secure part of prison, verse 24 says that they're thrown into the, the inner sanction there, the, the inner part of the prison where their feet are fastened, basically like uh, their, their legs are spread apart in split-like fashion and then lock their feet in place. I mean, things were going great in Philippi. They had finally got to the place God wanted. They met a group of women praying there. They saw Lydia and her family come to know Christ. They were in the place God wanted, fulfilling the purpose God wanted, and then this happens. And what are we to make of this? Church, never be surprised when the people of God are in the place of God, fulfilling the purposes of God for the evil one to come and try to distract and destroy. Never be surprised when the people of God are in the place of God fulfilling the purposes of God for the evil one to come and attack. And things were going great in Philippi and then Satan flares up this evil spirit to attack God's work. Now on the surface, this appears to be a dire situation. It appears to be a great setback to God's plan. Paul and Silas are dealing with evil spirits. They're being beaten, dragged around town, thrown into prison. Satan is attacking. The situation seems severe. However... This was not outside of God's plan. The attacks that come against God's church are not surprises to God. They're not rogue initiatives from Satan out of God's control. Rather, God ordained that this would take place. Remember, God's ways are higher and much bigger than ours. and We can't always see his purposes, but we can trust that he's never out of control. Nothing has ever gone outside of his hand that he's trying to catch up with. 
Think about Job. Job was a man of God whom God allowed to be tested by Satan. And Satan was responsible for the evil. But God allowed it for a greater purpose. Think about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Acts 2.23 says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You killed by the hands of lawless men. So the men and soldiers were responsible for killing Jesus, but it was all part of God's greater purpose to bring about salvation for the world. And so God's plan for establishing his church in Philippi was not off course by Paul and Silas going to be restrained. Rather, this is how he is establishing his church. By ordaining the persecution that even comes. One writer puts it early in church history. Tertullian says, the the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. In other words, persecution doesn't defeat the church. Often it fuels the church. It's like trying to put out a fire with gasoline. The more you douse it, the more it flames up. Here's my encouragement to us as a church. If God has ordained the place of Abner Creek, like we've said, and if God has ordained the purpose of Abner Creek, and we remain faithful as a church to his call, we can expect levels and degrees of persecution or trials will come, and they will fall under the ordaining hand of God. Will we, as Spurgeon said, kiss the wave that smacks against our cheek? Well, we have the grace-fueled faith to say this trial is not outside of God's control, but this trial is under the ordaining hand of God, accomplishing His plan. I wonder if Paul and Silas are in prison. I wonder if they had some type of conversation like this. Hey, Paul, I wonder why God led us here to Philippi. Was it for Lydia or was it for us to be chained up in jail? And I think they knew it was for both. We don't always get to see the purposes behind our trial and persecutions, but sometimes we do. And this last point this morning is going to show us the result of Paul and Silas' persecution in Philippi. So God establishes his church by ordaining the place. God establishes his church by ordaining the purpose and the persecution that comes. And notice what the result is. This is the fourth truth. God ordains his people for ministry. Look in verse 25. about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open he drew his sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped but Paul cried out with a loud voice do not harm yourself we're still here And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them to the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and 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 he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police, saying, Let those men go. 
And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to you to let you go. Therefore, come out and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and, and they were afraid, and when they heard that they were Romans, they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. Verse 39, so they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. Verse 40, so they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. We see now the purpose of why Paul even went to prison. They're chained up in pain, and what do they do in verse 25? They're praying and singing hymns to God. If it were today, they probably would have been singing, It is well with my soul. And the guards and the other prisoners are having to listen to it. They're listening to them sing, and what a wonderful testimony it is that no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, there can, no matter what the circumstance is, it cannot rob us of our joy in God. That our joy in Jesus, Jesus is greater than any pain and suffering, which is a, a preview of Philippians that we're going to study about. That no, no pain and suffering is able to rob us of our joy in Christ. And so they're, they're singing here, and this earthquake happens, and their chains fall off, and the doors open, and everybody's like, how'd that happen? And the, the theme of this intervening sovereign God continues. God did that. The guard wakes up, he's, he's in fear of losing the inmates on his watch, and so he goes to kill himself, but Paul says, wait, don't kill yourself, we're still here. So he, he rushes in, and he has this, this amazing story of conversion. He and his whole family, he's cut to the heart and realizes he needs his life change, he needs to trust in Christ. And like Lydia, his whole family hears and believes and is baptized. And they, they spend the rest of the night celebrating and rejoicing together over their salvation. Friends, we've just witnessed two people now in Philippi hear the gospel and believe. And I would be remiss if I just passed over in this sermon to say, perhaps you're here today and you've just been in the routine of your life and you've just come to church by chance on this Sunday, and you're sitting here, and you're hearing the gospel message, and you've never believed. Brothers and sisters, that would not be by chance. The message that the, the jailer and Lydia heard was of this holy God who has this standard of perfection. And we all know in our hearts that we have fallen short of that standard. Like, none of us live holy, perfect lives as God is. And perhaps you know the, the failures of your own heart. How you don't live up to God's standard. How you disobey God's word. And God has declared in his holiness and his justice that all sinners, outside of trusting Christ, all sinners will receive the penalty of sinning against him. The penalty of everlasting separation in a place experiencing his wrath and hell forever. But the good news that the jailer and Lydia heard was that the same God of holiness is the same God of compassion that sends his son for us, that lived a perfect life in our place, and then he died on a cross to take our sin. Jesus was the substitute that went in our place so that if we would turn from our sin, if we would trust in him, that we would receive the righteousness of Christ and Christ would take our sin and punishment for us. 
So friends, if if you're here today, it's not by chance. If you never trusted in Christ, I want to invite you now to, right now in your heart, to turn from your sin and, and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of the service, I'm going to be like standing at the door as everyone's leaving. If, if today is the day of salvation for you would, you, just, would you just shake my hand and say, hey, I trusted in the Lord today. I would love to talk to you. So we see these families rejoicing over their salvation. And I'll close with this. The next morning, the police come and they release Paul and Silas. And after they're released, where does Paul go? He goes to see Lydia. And I don't linger over the details of this chapter too much because I'm focused more on the big picture. Think about the journey of Acts 16 from beginning to end. Please don't miss this. God ordained specifically Philippi as Paul's destination. He actively prevented him from going elsewhere. Then God ordained the encounter with Lydia And her conversion, showing one purpose for Philippi. And then Paul's harassed by an evil spirit, beaten and thrown into prison. All events ordained by God. And why? So that Paul could meet this jailer who then would meet his family, who then would also be converted to Christ. And so don't miss this. Paul walks into Philippi. There's no gospel. There's no believers. There's no church. And when he leaves, there's at least two families who now love and cherish the gospel. And they're rejoicing together in each other's home. He visits with them and they're they're encouraged together. Now, all of a sudden, in Philippi, we have this small church meeting in a house home. And this is where the fourth point is seen. God ordains his people for ministry. Whereas there was no people in Philippi, now because of the purpose of God, there's a people in Philippi and a church ready for gospel ministry. So remember this, church. I realize that we're in transition. But when fear and uncertainty comes, remember God has established this church in this place. We're in the very place for a reason, for a purpose. We will persevere persevere in trial, and God will continue to build his church here. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He has kept that promise. He will continue to keep that promise. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a faithful God, even when we are faithless. Lord, that you are so kind to establish your church exactly where It needs to be. And Lord, I pray for churches all over this community, churches in the upstate of South Carolina, Lord, that you would sustain each one, ones that have gospel ministry taking place. That you would grow your church and the influence of your church in this community so that your name is magnified. People are coming to know the Lord and growing in their walk with Christ. We thank you for the faithfulness that you have shown to churches in your word. Thank you for the faithfulness you have shown to churches like Abner Creek. And we pray your blessing going forward. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a a short time of reflection here as we sing our final song. Here's my invitation to you. Perhaps you are the person who came and 
It's not by chance, but today was the day of salvation for you. If you would like to pray, I'll be here at the front. Please pray or reach out to me afterwards. But I suspect for a lot of you who are believers, uh, I pray that this has been a time of encouragement. And as we sing this final song, I pray that you will just remember God's faithfulness in establishing his church here and that you will worship him, trusting that he will continue to do so here. Let's sing together. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.